What's up, fuckers? Chilling. What's up? So why don't we go around and uh, introduce yourselves? Uh, I'm Thomas, but I just go by T. I'm Trista. Most people call me Sissy. That's right. We do call you T and Sissy. So what are you guys watching right now? Watching? Reading? Any kind of media? Anything interesting? Mm, watch a lot of street outlaws lately. Street racing. Working on a dream workbook, which you know. I do. And I'm reading an ASMR book. What the fuck does ASMR mean? I see it all the time and I... So it's something to do with like the way your rapid, rapid eye movement happens. Oh, that's right. Isn't that it's supposed to help the, with like trauma? Yeah. Isn't that the stuff where they just like have people eat candy next to a microphone that's really sensitive? That would drive me nuts. Oh, it's EDMR, you're right. Yeah, I was going to say, I, was I thought like, it was something else. I was doing that in therapy reading, for a minute. You're reading a book on ASMR? Like, what is the book? <laughs> like, you just I, have to imagine. Yeah, yeah exactly. Same thing. Yeah. No, I was doing that in therapy for a minute where he set up this light bar and the light would go side to side and you have to track it. And he's like talking to you while you're doing it. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. I didn't get very far in it, but... Uh, yeah, I started watching this show called, uh, I think it's called McMillions on Max. It's about the um, fraud on the McDonald's monopoly that went on for like 10 years with the organized mob and shit where this guy who was uh, involved with the marketing firm who was in charge of like going to the manufacturer for the pieces and he was stealing the winning pieces and giving them to this mobster and this mobster would give them out to people on the condition that, like, you you got to either buy me out right away. So, like, if you win the millions, you got to give me half. And then you get the other half. But what he wasn't telling people was you still got to pay taxes on that money. And so all these people thought, like, oh, my life is about to get way better. But no, now you're $500,000 in debt. And you got to pay this mobster who's going to break your fucking legs if you don't pay. It's a really fucked up deal. We should start doing that now. Because there's no more monopoly. It's called interest rates. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, what are we talking about today? I guess we're starting off with sleep paralysis, right? Sleep paralysis, right? It's uh, it's pretty wild. I've, I've always been intrigued by it, but even more so now because Trista actually experiences it. So it's something I've always... I'm, like, super into paranormal, like, ghost hunting shows and stuff like that. Like, I'm, that's my closet nerd coming out. But a lot of people mistake sleep paralysis for having, like, a paranormal encounter mm-hmm. with, like, a ghost or something like that. So I've always been familiar with the term and understood, I guess, kind of a little bit about it. But I've dived a lot deeper into it since being with Sissy because she actually experiences sleep paralysis regularly. So how often would you say you experience that? So it depends on what's happening in your life. It is based on your stress levels, your sleep patterns. So if you are more stressed in your life, if there's a lot going on, it's mentally something that affects you. There's not really any way to break it down as far as 
oh, it happens like this many times a week. I feel like there are some people that can do that. But when I listen to people like tell their stories, I'm not saying that they're lying or I'm not judging them, but being a person who's had sleep paralysis my whole life, I've never been able to like, oh yeah, it's this many times and it's specific, it's a schedule, mm -hmm. it's always, you never really know when it's going to happen. You can kind of sense it coming on before it happens, but you don't go to bed at night and be like, oh, it's going to happen tonight. You have no idea. When do you think it, like the earliest time in your life when that started, like how old do you think you were? The first one that I can remember, I would say I was about eight. And when was the most recent time? Almost a month ago. And you're 33? Mm -hmm. So that's been going on for two decades. Oh, that's rough. Nothing. No. So with that, I, I want to ask, and we'll go around. Do you think that sleep paralysis is something supernatural in nature? Is it physiological? I mean, I'll, I'll jump on this one. So just some of the, even some of the notes I have here, it says about out of a hundred people, eight people will experience sleep paralysis. The thing that I've kind of noticed about it and in watching like documentaries is it's a worldwide thing. Absolutely. It's not specific to gender. It's not specific to race. It's not specific to religion. It is something that can affect anyone and everyone. And to me, the most intriguing thing about it and the thing that really puzzles me, that just makes me want to dive deeper into it, is almost everybody experiences the same things, the same symptoms, mm -hmm. the same um, shadow figures, you know, the same feelings. And I, I think it's the, the things that they see that they have in common that really kind of make me wonder, like, what the hell is it, you know? Because if there's, like, some random dude in Thailand who sees the same things that, like, she sees and experiences when she has sleep paralysis, you're talking, literally, you're comparing apples to oranges as far as their surroundings, their environment, and how they grew up. So... I I do believe, like, part of it can be, like, the body and the brain kind of thing. But I do think that there is a whole other part of it that is on, like, a supernatural level. I, I know from experience it is. There's a lot of people that will argue that, that it's not paranormal or supernatural, that it's all based on your mind not connecting with your body while you're sleeping. But unless you have experienced it, it's not even really something you can explain. Mm -hmm. Like even every time I talk about sleep paralysis, like I can hear my voice bouncing and my hands are shaking. And I've been dealing with this, like you said, like for two decades. So mm -hmm. it is that real. And it's not dreamy. It is a whole different experience. And every time I try to explain it to people, especially people who don't, that aren't open-minded, I should say, they, I've been accused of being, like, crazy. Like, that there's men, I like to have a mental illness. Well, I think anybody who 
doesn't have firsthand experience at something is naturally going to gravitate towards being like, oh, you're just fucking nuts, or you need to go see a doctor, or you need to be on pills, or whatever. That's always the, the very first natural response of most people. So, personally, I believe that it is supernatural in nature with some physiological answers to it. Because when you're asleep, your body naturally produces... Uh, melatonin and dopamine and all these other chemicals that will put your body in a state of paralysis so you don't act out your dreams now the opposite end of that is somebody who sleepwalks their body isn't releasing those chemicals to keep their body in a state of paralysis so that they do get up and do these things or you know they'll get up and cook a full meal or whatever it is but i think that what happens when you're in that state where your body is paralyzed but your mind is still active, and I, I do believe that you are somewhere between a dream state and an awake state. But is in my mind, wouldn't that be when you're the most vulnerable to some kind of supernatural entity or attack or something of that nature? Now, I, I say all that in pure speculation because I've never experienced it. I don't know what it's like. I just did a bunch of research and watched a bunch of videos and listen to people talk about like their experience with it and it it's so interesting to me that people can just fan it off and be like that's not real like that's so dumb well one of the other theories that i have on it too is that um you know when you're sleeping i feel like that that's when your your body and your mind essentially don't have a whole lot of work to do right like you have to keep breathing and your eyes stay closed Mm -hmm. like that's like in when you're sleeping that's essentially all that's happening right and so the theory that i kind of tail off of is like when you take away one sense like if you take away your hearing maybe your vision gets better or if you take away your vision your hearing gets better Mm -hmm. um it's almost to me one of my theories that i have on it is that because you're sleeping and because you're taking away so many senses that your body naturally has, it kind of heightens some of the other senses that maybe during your regular day-to-day life and day-to-day routine, you can't tap into. Mm-hmm. But when you're sleeping, you can tap into these senses where you can see, feel, hear, like even smell. Like You can experience these things on almost like a heightened level because your, your mind is... Your, I mean, your body's asleep. Your mind is asleep. You know what I mean? Obviously, like with sleep paralysis, there's a part of it that's awake. But, yeah, that's one of the theories that I have on it is that, you know, maybe when you're experiencing sleep paralysis, maybe actually what you're experiencing is a glimpse into, call it a dimension, realm, whatever. But you're experiencing something that you can't experience in your regular day-to-day life. So... I completely agree with that as far as your senses and like one taking over because another one's not there. But during sleep paralysis, you can open your eyes. It's the one thing that I'm only able to do when I'm experiencing an episode. I can't move any body parts. I've heard some people say they can wiggle their toes. I can't wiggle my toes. I can't wiggle my fingers. I've tried my whole life. I can't do it. So the whole paralysis part of it is so real for me personally. But you can open your eyes and you can see exactly where you're at. And you look around and that's when you see ghosts, demons, whatever the entities are that are there to 
I don't know what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. But And you've described it to me like I think when you first started telling me about it, because you're the first person that I've ever known that actually experiences it. But like I think you, I remember you telling me like, think of like the most horrific thing you've seen in any horror movie or haunted walkthrough or whatever. And you're like, and it's 10 times worse than that. Is that? Yeah, because you're, it's real to you. It's really happening. And there's something really there and you don't know what it is. You don't know what the intentions are, but the feeling that I have always gotten is a negative feeling. It's never like I've had people tell me stories and they say it's not always bad. And I'm like, that's crazy because for me it's always been very evil feeling like I have to always have my guard up and the whole time it's just panic so I I was listening to this one lady story and she was talking about she had had sleep paralysis her whole life and always had that kind of negative uh, like uh, dark man in a hat type experience but after her mother died she had an episode of sleep paralysis and she had a few of them over the years where her she, she could hear her mom's voice and her mom's telling her like everything's okay do you have you ever had one like that where no not me personally it, but least, i've also heard stories yeah have you heard like um like a voice that you recognized no no but do you hear voices or so the first time I've heard voices for the longest time, but the thing is, is you can't understand the language that it's speaking. The first time I heard it ever speak English to me was when I was living in Tucson, Arizona. And that was like the height of my sleep paralysis. It was like every night over and over and over again for months. I feel like I didn't sleep for a year and it became so overwhelming. And then like I was saying, like with your stress levels, it's gonna be worse. Mm And I went to bed one night and it was bothering me and I was just doing my same thing where I'm like trying to pray, trying to get myself out of it. And it got really close to my ear and it said, when are you going to let me in? Hmm. And I don't think I slept for like three (laughs) nights Was it like a, a man's voice or did it have like that classic like demonic, when are you gonna let me in? Where are you gonna let me in? It would even be better if it was like like a Mickey Mouse voice, like "What are you gonna let in?" <laughs> it wouldn't have been better. <laughs> so no, it was definitely like maybe male. if it was SpongeBob, you'd be like, "Ah, that's not so bad." It's just bad. Yeah, but it was definitely male voice, and it was just almost like whispering, though, not like a creepy like "What are you gonna let me in?" Not like some stereotypical movie. Voice. Like some the conjuring yeah. kind of thing, like yeah. Is there, has it ever happened during the day? Yes. Is uh, it worse during the day? No, it's worse at night. Um, during the day, like I literally could lay on the couch and just fall asleep to take a nap. Like I think one of my most recent episodes is me and Thomas were laying on the couch and I dozed off and Thomas was sitting at the bottom of my feet and I never had a sleep process episode like this this was my first experience but I was laying there and I didn't realize that I had fallen asleep I think we just got off night shifts and we were trying to stay awake and next thing I know is like Thomas was like moving up towards my ear 
and he was talking to me and it was his voice and he was touching my hair but then I had realized that I was asleep and realized that I was in sleep paralysis so I went into a panic and that's when the entity went from trying to be Thomas and do I don't know whatever it was planning on doing to just like let me relax because I feel like that's what they mostly want you to do when they're first coming towards you is they just want you to just be cool with whatever they're doing and mm. as soon as you start freaking out that's when they can get I hate to say the word violent because they don't actually ever hurt you but it feels violent the energy feels very negative like mm. they are having the intent to hurt you and when I realized it wasn't Thomas then I just had the whole, you know, your heart starts racing and you're just trying to jerk yourself out of the episode. And it just freaked me out because I'm like, I've never experienced an entity try to be somebody that I know. Yeah, I could tell that that's terrifying. Your hands are like trembling really hard. I, I was literally <laughs> just about to say, I know obviously like... I was going to say your hands are trembling, but you're always <laughs> shaking. Yeah. Like, I, I know people obviously can't see what's going on right now, but, like, as she's explaining this, like, her hands are shaking severely. So Profusely. Like shaking like a dog shitting razor blades. <laughs> That's accurate. Sorry. I don't know. I've never seen a dog shit razor blades. I would assume I mean, that there is some shaking, maybe some I mean, howling. I kind of feel like dogs just shake like crazy when they shit normally. So if it was like with razor blades, it would almost be like they were having a seizure. Well, you got to think about the way they like poise themselves <laughs> on their toes. <laughs> if I had to stand on my toes while I was taking a shit, I'd probably shake a lot too. Yeah, definitely. But but no, I, and and that experience that she had, um, it it was. I mean, it's it's so different when you're just even with somebody and they experience those things because you don't really understand it. You, you don't, but you yeah. just try your best to try to, to comfort her. I mean, like when she came to me and she was, I mean, terrified, very, very shooken up. And she explained to me, she's like, this is the very first time that it's ever tried to like, uh, almost like... Uh, Mimic. imitate or mimic like someone that she knows and she's like and it was just so weird she's like it was playing with my hair and like and some of the some of the things about it is I'm just like that's it's it's very scary to think that you know what I guess back to the theory of like what if this really is something supernatural or paranormal like what if this is some entity and now it's like mimicking me to try to get to her like that's that that's discomforting to me and I'm not even the one experiencing it I'm just yeah. like oh like you know but it it was that was definitely I think that was probably the most recent one that, that shook you up really bad so I think that's the most terrifying aspect of it is the idea that it could like you said mimic him you know the person that you're closest to to try to get to you especially in the state where you're you didn't even think that you had fallen asleep. Yeah. You know, you still thought you were awake. So there's not even like a blurry line between when you were awake to the time you were asleep that it could have totally fooled you. 
And I think that alone is terrifying. Well, my, I think you said, didn't you tell me that, like, the way that it was, like, playing with your hair is, like, this, you know, the exact same way yeah, that, like, I, I play with her like... hair? Like, because sometimes I'll, like, I'll run my fingers through her hair and stuff like that. And she's like, yeah, it did it. Like, she's like, I swear to God it was you. Even, like, the feeling of your weight on the couch, everything was specifically you. That must have been one heavy-ass entity. <laughs> <laughs> But it's like, that's that's the thing, it's like, because I've done a lot of reading and researching, of course, on sleep paralysis, and there are a lot of people that's like, you do just need to allow yourself to open up to it, to move past and find the other side of it. And like, I truly believe in that saying, everything that you want is on the other side of fear. Yeah. I but mean, I... Easier said than done. Yeah. My preference in life is like, the only way out is through. Like, you can run from it, you can hide from it, whatever it is, whether it's a sleep paralysis or, like, going to the gym to get your ideal body, whatever it is, the only way to get to the other side is to go through it. And But that's, that's kind of a scary prospect in the idea that, like, you have to be open to it. What if it literally is some kind of demonic thing or something yeah. with pure ill will? Like that's a terrifying prospect. Because like, how, yeah, how do you I get through? myself up to it, then all of a sudden I have a demon like either inside me or in yeah. my home. Like because they, I do also believe in the fact that if you open yourself up to the paranormal, it's there. Like you, it's not something that you can just bring a priest in and get rid of it. Like they do. Yeah, no, that's horseshit. Like, it, it doesn't work that way. And it doesn't wash off in the shower either. It, <laughs> it's like an STD. You're stuck with it. Yeah, I mean, like. I couldn't even imagine what you would have to do to even prepare yourself to go in there. Like, do you go in there and just go, oh, no, it's not going to infect me. It's not going to plague me. Or, like, you're going to go in there like, yeah, I'm going to fucking fist fight this demon. And, uh, even though I can't move. Even though I can't move. <laughs> I mean, what is it like? Uh, what was that Nightmare on Elm Street movie? The Dream Warriors where suddenly they could beat the shit out of Freddy in their dreams? Like, I don't <laughs> think it works like that. No, and I, I mean, some of the times where she's had it, and I, I've kind of noticed, and, and I could be wrong, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I've noticed that it kind of happens to you more often when you're alone. Like, when you're either home alone, or even if you're sleeping and I'm just in another room, or... Like, I feel like, it, I think there's only been a couple times where it's happened when I was, like, right next to her. Or, in some cases, like, I, I sleep very, very heavily. And I know there's been times where she's had it and I just don't, you know, recognize it because I'm just out cold. But there's been other episodes where she's had where, I, I think it's maybe been, like, two or three times where I've been right next to her and she just starts breathing so heavily. Like, I I mean, I can't even describe, like, how heavy this breathing is. It, it would almost be like if you were to run a full sprint for as long as you can and, like, you're reaching the end of your line there as far as you can sprint and it's just... And it's fast breathing like that. It's not slow. It's not... It's like... It's like, I guess, the best way I could think of this to even describe it is if, like, you're running away from something in a dream and how winded you get and how heavy you're breathing. That's what her breathing sounds like, and she's just laying there. And what's crazy is it happens in, like, 
an instant. Mm-hmm. It it like one minute she could be there, quiet, everything's good, and the next minute it's just this full blown. And like I think the very first time I experienced it, I was like, what the hell? Like what's going on? So I I woke her up, and I was like, are you okay? And she kept looking to a corner of our room, and I'm like, did you have a sleep paralysis episode right now? And she's like, yeah. But she kept looking to the corner of the room. I'm like, is that where it was? And she's like, yeah. And, but I was also freaked out because I know they say, like, if somebody's sleepwalking, don't wake them up, right? Like, that's, I guess, a, I don't know if that's just like a... That's an old wives' tale. Right, yeah. I, I have no idea. But I didn't know if waking her up was even the right thing to do. Like, so I was kind of like, oh, shit, did I just do the wrong thing? But, like, after she kind of, like, calmed down a little bit and I asked her, I'm like, hey, is, is it okay if I wake you up? She's like, yes, absolutely. Yeah, because somebody waking you up is almost like it helps your body click back into your brain, like, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Because you can't do it yourself. You just have to wait for the episode to just be over. Until your brain just does it itself. But if somebody physically wakes you, then you're just, you're out of it like that. And it's like, yes, you saved my life. <laughs> it's like fucking, yeah. get the paddles. So uh, I'm sure you've probably told me, but like, in, in your experiences with the sleep paralysis though, but does it seem like that it lasts a lot longer than it really does? Or Oh yeah. So... You guys have had to have moments in your life where it's like something trip, like horrific ha- happens and it feels like it lasted so long and then you actually look at the time and you're like, that was like three seconds. Like the earthquake, for instance. I felt like the earthquake that we had here in Utah was like, it felt to me when it happened, like it happened for like a good minute at least, when in reality it was like 20 seconds when actually yeah. real hard shaking was happening. So there's a strange thing with time differentials. That's kind of what I've come to call it because the way we experience time is different depending on what we're going through. You know how when you're having a good time, time just like flies, it's gone. When you're when you're depressed, let's say for a long period of time, it feels like fucking minutes or hours and hours or days and days or weeks and time is just dragging. And it's the same thing when you're in a dream state because in reality you only reach REM sleep for about 15% of your dream time or your sleep time, but you only really dream for about five minutes over the span of, let's say you sleep eight consecutive hours, you're really only dreaming for about five minutes. But it feels like the whole time you've been asleep, you've been dreaming and it's not true. Yeah. And like if you've ever seen the movie Inception, where they talk about each dream layer, time is different. So like an hour in a dream is a, or an hour of sleep is one week in the dream and then it gets deeper and deeper. That's based in reality because of the amount of time you dream, but it feels so much longer because you can have these long dreams and it's like, oh wow, dude, that was, I felt like I dreamt from the moment I fell asleep to the moment I wake up, but it was really only like in the last five minutes. Which is crazy because sometimes you have dreams and you wake up and you feel exhausted from it. Yeah. Because if you've slept for eight hours and only five minutes of dreaming, but you physically can feel drained and mentally feel drained. Oh, absolutely. That's crazy to me. Well, and, uh, an interesting thing, at least, um, 
I know that you've explained to me too is that like you're able to like realize that like you're in a dream in your dream right like and you you've explained to me that like you've gone to like almost like inception right like he she's gone to like different levels of her dream i've never done that i mean have you dave absolutely have you oh yeah i yeah i don't i've always been a very vivid dreamer like i I think most of my life, like all throughout my 20s and into my early 30s, I would have nightmares all the time. I'd have night terrors all the time. But now I think because I've gotten older and I've learned, I've got really experienced at having just strange dreams or nightmares all the time that I can, like when I have one, I'm readily, easily able to go, I'm just having a nightmare. And I could snap myself out of it like that. Really? And I can wake myself up. And there used to be telltale signs that I was having a nightmare of, like, you couldn't read in a dream. But after a while, as I've gotten older, that, like, I started using that as a trigger. Like, if I, you know, being chased or whatever it was, I would look for a sign or something that had letters on it. And if I could read it, then... I, I was in control, but if I couldn't read it, I was in a, a fucking deep nightmare that I couldn't get out of. But anymore, I just go, oh, yeah, no, I can read. I can do this. I can feel X, Y, or Z. Like, I've, I've kind of learned little totems to where I'm in control, and I'm not just, like, paralyzed there for eight hours stuck in a fucking nightmare that's terrible. Same. I feel like it is something, like, when you are able to reach that type of dreaming state that you do find your comfort in for me like how you're saying reading things I never thought about that that's that's good for me it's like I realize I can never see myself if I look into the mirror my reflection is never there if I look into water it's never there I can never physically see myself other than like when you're like playing a video game you can see the hands Mm -hmm. or your feet it's like a first person shooter yeah (laughs) my dreams are always first person yeah it's it's directly in my own mind and you know how like in movies or whatever when they're in a dream and it's it's all like from the outside point of view like that's not how it works but I, I do think that there is a certain level of mental control that you can gain over that sort of thing but it, it it's not because like oh it just clicked and I figured it out no like I had to have nightmares for most of my life or night terrors for most of my life to be able to learn these little control patterns and like I'm almost 40 and I barely got it figured out so are you are you a light sleeper or a heavy sleeper like kind of in the middle I'm kind of in the middle I just yeah I just wonder like I'm curious to know if like maybe it's it's something to do with like being a heavy sleeper because I'm a extremely heavy sleeper Mm -hmm. and I wonder if maybe that's part of why I can't experience like what you guys experience in dreams is just because I sleep so heavily but I don't know I'm just trying to think there's there's a susceptibility factor and I think some people are susceptible and some aren't Uh, I don't know how to put it and I don't think there's any kind of like paradigm to be like oh you're not but you are kind of thing I think it's like you said it's totally randomized and it's like people all over are experiencing very similar things and i know for me certain things play factors like uh, if i get really drunk before i go to bed like i'll just have weird dreams and nothing makes sense and everything is like looking through a fog but then it's you never really have 
bad dreams or anything, but it's just like, I don't know what the fuck any of that was. But when I haven't drank in a while, like my dreams are crystal clear and it, I can feel and experience everything in there. Or like, um, if I'm really sleep deprived, you know, those days where you go from days to nights like we do. And sometimes I'll go 30 or 34 hours without sleeping by the time I lay down and I can just have crazy lucid dreams. And my body is so exhausted that it's like, I'm not moving. I'm stuck in this, whatever it is. So you have to learn how to deal. Yeah. And I, I just, yeah, I I guess my dreams, I, I don't, I don't have very vivid dreams. I, my dreams are pretty plain and boring. I actually, um, recently started having some pretty weird dreams uh thanks to a crazy supplement that i bought what is it it's a valerian root and i bought it because me turning to dr google to try to see if there's something that could help her with her sleep paralysis which i mean every uh, almost everybody says like get on a better sleep schedule go to bed at the same time you know with the job we work yeah right like don't don't have a bunch of caffeine before you go to bed and it's like you know that's that's what they say are some of the common things but i i um you know so i i read that this valerian root could possibly help so i ordered some got it here um i know she tried it i tried it and i it's weird because i when I take that stuff, it does help me relax. It kind of takes a little edge off, you know. Like, you can definitely feel that, like, calming effect. Mm-hmm. But I will say that every time I have taken it, I wake up and I have dreams. And my first thought is just like, what the fuck? Like, because they're just dreams that don't make any sense. It's not like it wasn't scary. It wasn't negative. It was just like, all right, cool. Like, I was apparently talking with Abraham Lincoln about some dumb <laughs> shit that doesn't even matter, and he had an iPhone. Why? I don't know. But it's just dreams like that, and I wake up, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I, I just don't get it, but I know she had tried it at least a couple times, and then, I mean, what was your experiences with the Valerian route? Well, I didn't take it long enough to, like, give an input to anybody out there suffering from it. But it did, like like you said, it does give you, like, a good calming effect. Mm-hmm. It's not like melatonin to where it's like it will put you out. But it does just definitely calm your stress levels and just get you in that relaxed state to fall asleep. I didn't have any wacky dreams like Thomas did. Oh, crazy Dude, dreams. Melatonin doesn't do a fucking thing to me. How many have you tried to take? Oh, <laughs> uh, 12. Okay. I took 12 in one shot. Have you Nothing. ever tried Ambien? No, I'm terrified of Ambien. Don't do it. I've I've heard some of these stories about people who like take Ambien. It's like this one dude. He went to the store and bought all these ingredients. Came back, made this big fucking feast, and didn't even eat any of it. Went back to bed. Got up the next morning. He's like, "Who the fuck cooked all this food?" It's just him and his son who live in his house, and yeah, it's creepy. I, um, I've I've ridden the Ambien roller coaster, and it's it's intense. I mean, it's just it's one of them things. If you take, like, say you've never taken Ambien before, ever, in your life, you take one 10-milligram Ambien pill, and you're going to sleep. It, it's literally, it reminds me of, like, uh, Ben Stiller's role on Happy Gilmore, how he's, like, the nursing home guy. 
that puts you to sleep. Yeah, you will go to sleep, or I will put you to sleep. Like that's literally <laughs> what Ambien does to you. And then even after you build up a tolerance, because I took it for like a good two years. Yeah, I remember. And when even when you build up a tolerance, you can have a tolerance. And if you take two, you're going to bed. It doesn't matter. You might do and have some crazy shit happen that you're not going to remember when you wake up. I've had experiences with that, but like you're going to bed. It doesn't matter if you want to or not. You cannot fight it. It's just going to happen. But I I just I it's it's strange that like you guys can both dive deeper into your guys' dreams and that you guys can recognize like okay, I'm in a dream. But it's also intriguing that because I'm trying to see if there's any correlation, right? Like, but you said you've never experienced sleep paralysis, right? Right. And that's I I don't know if I've necessarily experienced sleep paralysis. I know there's been two times where it was like the same exact thing that happened to me, where I felt like somebody was like almost trying to choke me, but they didn't have two hands, but they were just putting like a lot of pressure, like right near my collarbone area, and it felt like they were trying to hold me down. The old hat. So, dude. Did that happen while you two were together, or was this no, like before? No, this is this was years ago. But <clears throat> excuse me, I know the um, the very first time <laughs> it happened, I lost my shit because it, it just felt like somebody, and it was just one hand. It didn't feel like an entire person. It didn't feel like I couldn't feel any other body part. But it just felt like somebody just had their hand, and they just kept pushing and pushing and pushing, and. I am not even kidding. I woke up swinging and screaming and like, because I thought somebody was in my house and I was ready to like kill somebody because I was just so mad. But I don't, I, I've chalked it up to a lot of other things as to why. And because the, the two times it's happened, it happened almost the exact same way. And I'm a side sleeper and I sleep with my arm under my pillow. I mean, I could have got a cramp up here in my shoulder area while I was sleeping that could have made me feel that you know what I mean I try to to rationally explain it but like the the episodes that she has with her sleep paralysis are things that I can't even begin to try to sounds explain. like he had sleep paralysis doesn't it it's kind of hard to say because like when you're having a sleep paralysis episode you are aware that you are awake but do you think that that's a differentiation because he sleeps so heavily Right. And maybe you're more in the middle ground that you're more susceptible to that, like, waking up and realizing right. you're there. Which is why it's, like, really hard to say because everybody is going to have their own experience. And there's there's plenty of stories that I've heard with sleep paralysis where people, like, even say that they have aliens in their home and in their room, like, actual aliens. I've never experienced aliens, personally. Mm-hmm. I think that would kind of be cooler than demonic. <laughs> be like, let's let's have a conversation, right? But so it could have been. There's no way for me to really say. I can just know. I just know. In sleep paralysis, you are aware that you are awake. You can open your eyes. You can look around, and you realize that you can't move your body. So. So yeah. that that's where I go back to like the physiological part of it. And I'm not saying it's strictly a physiological thing. I'm just saying they work in conjunction between this idea of it being a supernatural thing in conjunction with the way your body works. You think about all your involuntary reflexes, like 
You blink, you breathe. It's involuntary. Even wiggling your toes is voluntary because they're prehensile, but the way your toes work to keep you balanced is completely involuntary. You don't control that. It's just what they do. The one thing that's an involuntary control that you actually have control of without causing you damage is your blinking. You can keep your eyes open for a prolonged amount of time without any damage. You can't hold your breath for a long time without any damage. Like you're only, let's say the average person can hold their breath for one minute, one minute tops, and then you have to breathe. Your body is going to force you to breathe, which is why people drown, right? But you can hold your eyes open for however long you want. They will naturally moisturize themselves. They will take care of themselves, which is why when you're fighting to control your body, that's the one thing you have control over is you can sit here like this. Right. But you can't move your body because you have all these chemicals that your brain is secreting into your body to keep you from moving, which is definitely the best time for an attack, right? But then somebody jolts you awake and it just realigns everything and now you're in control again. Yeah. And maybe I've asked you before, but like when you have your sleep paralysis episodes, like when you do open your eyes, like if I'm laying next to you, say I'm just asleep, right? Dead to the world. But like when you do open your eyes, are you able to see if I'm still in the room? Like am I right there next to you or am I not there? Or what is, what is that? Like, it... So when I was younger and even into like my early 20s, I would open my eyes and I can tell you since I was probably about, if I had to guess, I'd say since I was like 23 years old, I do not open my eyes. I am so tired of seeing what's there, and it's just more of like keep my eyes closed as tight as I can until it's over with. Because if you open your eyes and see that there's something there, it's way more terrifying. To where it's like, kind of like if you don't see it, it's not there, right? You kind of mm. trick your mind like it's just... It's not even there. Out of sight, out of mind almost. Yeah. But so, but there are still times now where I kind of like squint my eyes open to kind of be like, what's there? But most of all, I do not open my eyes. I don't look to see if you're there. I don't look, I don't even want to know where I'm at. I just want it to be over. Yeah. So maybe that's part of going back to the whole, the only way out is through thing. Because yeah. that, that documentary you recommended to me, what was it called? The, the Nightmare. The Nightmare. Watching that, it kind of seemed like there was a consensus amongst a few of those people on that show that were saying, I got to the point where they would essentially fight back and say, you don't scare me. You ain't shit. Fuck off. You know, you ever think about something like that? Like, oh, Yeah, I, and I have done it. So it, because it's something that just hasn't gone away for me personally, <coughs> it has gotten to the point where it's like, there's sometimes where I go through an episode and I wake up and it's not a big deal. There's other times when I have an episode that's so intense where it's like you can't physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually avoid what happened. Mm -hmm. But there definitely becomes that point from somebody who regularly has sleep paralysis for years and years. You just kind of like, oh, you're back? How long is this going to last? <laughs> the, I mean, one of the things that's like kind of where I said that there's like a lot of commonalities across the globe um, is a lot of people in like videos, things that I've read, documentaries, like people say that there's three very common different 
figures, I guess, if you want to call it that, that they see. They got the one that's called the Hat Man. Mm -hmm. He kind of wears a hat that looks a little bit like Freddy Krueger's hat, which kind of makes me wonder if, like, Nightmare on Elm Street, like, the whole idea of Freddy Krueger getting people in their dreams, I I almost have to believe that that was birthed from somebody who experiences sleep paralysis. You know what I mean? Like, there's this guy who's got this hat that's shaped like this, and he only comes in my dreams. Like, I mean, you, you would almost think that. But so you got the Hat Man. Um, I think another one is called the Shadow Man, who's just kind of more of a humanoid figure, no hat, yeah. no really identifying characteristics. It's like a dark thing. Like, so when you're watching horror movies and you see, like, the dark figure. Yeah. yeah. And then the old hag. Yeah. I think those are the, the three most common. Have you experienced, like, all three? All three of them. Is there any other ones that you've experienced, that, I guess? Because you've been living with it your whole life. You've probably done way more research about it than I have. I mean, are there other common ones that you've heard or read about or even experienced? The, the other one that's really common is what they call, I guess, the incubus. Wants to bang. I think that's the succubus. So, well, the succubus is the I don't female version. Not knowing the no, <laughs> no, you're right. The incubus is the male version. The succubus oh, is the female okay. version. So, like, um, if you're approached by a, a demon or entity that is wanting to have sex with you, if it's female in nature, it's a succubus. If it's male in nature, it's an incubus. Yeah, because that that one lady in the documentary was talking about the the shadow man got on top of her and was doing his thing and she's like i guess we're just riding this train now well i mean even uh i mean tales of of like the incubus and then the succubus i mean they go back for i mean god knows how far in history oh yeah i was reading um and they said that sleep paralysis literally can be dated as far back as mesopotamia oh 2400 bc which is great. It's I mean it's mind blowing. So it's been around for what what are we going on? Almost five thousand almost five thousand years, right? Like we're you know we're four four thousand five hundred years that yeah. people have been experiencing this. Like so, here's a question: Is do you ever feel like there's anything that triggers it? Maybe some kind of physiological change. Maybe. Uh, alcohol or any other kind of substance that might trigger it or any particular like event in life if you're have like let's say just like one singular stressful event that could trigger it is there anything like that that might prelude what's that you're going to have an episode it's honestly just stress in general so if you're having a little bit of stress it's more likely not to happen for me personally if it's something that's like really stressful that's just like weighing on you that you're thinking about all day that you're carrying around with you you're more than likely going to fall asleep and have sleep paralysis not always but more than likely i can honestly tell you i have never had sleep paralysis when i go to bed drunk ever so you know, and it's funny thinking about like my own experience with dreams and things like that when when i would drink heavily and then go to sleep like I almost never had nightmares like I said it would I would just have like foggy weird dreams nothing made any sense it was just like gobbledygook bullshit yeah and which so. I honestly like wonder if it's because when if you go to sleep 
intoxicated? Like, do you ever really hit your REM zone? You know? I, I never did. I don't think that I do, so I feel like that's the reason why I have never experienced an episode. Uh, well, and like, uh, I know one of the things for me, and I, I mean, I, was, I don't really dream very often, but I will say something that uh, actually made me have some really, really awesome dreams is uh, kava. Like, you drink a whole bunch of kava, and I've, I've always just had good dreams. Like, it's always very positive, and I, I may not dream every time that I drink kava, but um, more often than not. And, like, uh, I know a, a lot of the times it seems like when she has episodes is when she is uh, stressed, or I, I've... I've also kind of noticed a pattern of like a lack of sleep. Mm -hmm. Like a lack of sleep is a huge one that I've kind of noticed with her is that like, and especially, you know, working the schedule that we work. Yeah. It's, it seems like a lack of sleep is a huge contributing factor to, to her having an episode. Well, and that makes perfect sense too, because your body is extra exhausted. So your body is going to be like, okay, we're down for rest. You're staying here. And your conscious mind is exhausted too, so it also has to rest. So your unconscious or subconscious mind has to jump in and take over. But that—that's when I would think you're the most vulnerable to any kind of paranormal or otherwise attack or entity coming towards you, because your conscious mind isn't there to be like, "Oh no, it's just a shadow in the corner," or ghosts aren't real because of x y or z or whatever it is like that's when you're definitely the most like susceptible is when you're exhausted and didn't you i mean didn't you say that there's times where you can lay down and like you know you're gonna have an episode like maybe not like right as you lay down but didn't you say that like you can feel like almost like your body start to tingle like what like so it's not even like the tingling part doesn't happen till like it's officially starting. So like that documentary, the nightmare, all of the people pretty much said the same thing there. It's like their whole body tingles mm -hmm. and that's so real. And it's, a, it's not like how, like when your foot falls asleep and it gets that tingling feeling, it's like times 10 that, but your whole body. So you feel like TV static. Yeah, <laughs> literally everything is just like, it's almost like a hot feeling too. Yeah. They're not like painful, but you, it's like, and you don't feel like you're sweating or anything, but it's like this really intense tingling and just warmth. But as far as there are times, but that's why I think it's mental as well, because I do lay down in bed sometimes and it's like, I feel like an episode's going to happen, but it's like, if I would have went to bed and not thought that, would it have happened? You know, like, did I kind of push this onto my own mind? Because I yeah. do think that we do have that control mentally. So I do personally have to tell myself that, no, it's not. Not going to happen. We're going to get through the night. We're going to sleep great. doesn't always work. But if I do go to bed and I'm worried about having an episode, I'm guaranteed to have an episode. So it's very mental. That's interesting. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's crazy. Because, like, I've, there's been a handful of times in my life where I go to bed and if I've got something on my mind, say, well, I want to dream about that. 
and I, and I've tried to do this over and over and over I'm just and I will pick a different thing whatever I just happen to be hyper focused on at that time and I'll say well I want to dream about that and once in a blue moon it works but not very often so I kind of wonder if there's a parallel between so these three different points here so kava which is based on a ground root and then sleep paralysis which is um, theoretically a supernatural event tied to a physiological nature and then psychedelics so I can draw a parallel between all three and like I know this is gonna be kind of long-winded but thinking about okay kava comes from a root mushrooms come from the ground and there's this whole theory of the tree of life and all that and to think that those two chemically are very similar objects even though one is basically a muscle relaxer and the other one's a psychedelic they have a lot of very similar principles and then thinking about like your experience of feeling that heat wave that tingle go through your body i get the same thing if i drink kava that's the first thing i feel is a heat wave go through my body and physiologically, that's my body trying to heat up to try to destroy whatever I just put in there. But then I get the same thing if I take psychedelics. Like, I get that heat wave that passes almost instantly. Like, I'll feel it for a couple minutes and it's gone. And then I feel that tingle. And naturally, your mind goes to, okay, you just took, like, an illicit substance. You're going to have a physiological reaction. It's not the same. Because suddenly you have problems with dimensions i'm not talking like alternate realities i'm like dimensions of objects and things like that like um you know when you're dreaming you have problems with dimensions like you'll pick up a rock and you'll go okay it's a rock i know how much this should weigh holy fuck that's heavy or like this is strangely light for a rock or like you'll look at uh, a staircase in your dream and it looks enormous like you're five inches tall trying to climb the staircase it's the same thing when you start on a trip when you take psychedelics it's like i remember the first time i took them and i went to go upstairs in my old house and i looked up the stair and holy shit the stairwell was like 27 feet wide and 100 feet tall i'm like how am i gonna i'm like how am i gonna get up there that's amazing and then i went upstairs and the first thing i did was i went to go to the bathroom and like i'm standing over the toilet like am i gonna miss that it's fucking toilets this big (laughs) (laughs) but you have the same problem within your dream right like for me i have that a lot yeah or like i'll pick up an object that i know how it should feel in my hand and suddenly it feels very different because you have different spatial awareness yeah so i wonder if that there is like something along those lines with when you're in that different state of consciousness because of some kind of chemical or substance that again you get into that path lane of like i'm kind of between my conscious mind and my subconscious mind and that's where like you're the most able to kind of slipstream between different i don't want to say realities but like different lines does that make sense yeah Yeah. and so it's i it sounds Similar to kind of like what like I was saying earlier is just that like maybe when you're in that state, I mean, you can just even just seeing because I know you said like the only thing you can do is really open your eyes, but like 
you can probably see shit that it it could potentially really be there. Absolutely. Know? It could potentially really be there and and that's that's the part to me that just makes me so curious about it and that's the part it, it, not only that, but that in conjunction with how many people around the world experience the same thing, that's where I'm like, man, there has got to be something more to this. Because, like I said, why is why is some dude who lives in a hut in the Philippines going to see the same hat man that she's going to see? Yeah. Why? How? Like, it, it, I don't know. It just really makes me think that there's more to it than... But I, I think that your explanation of it, of being like partially supernatural and, and and also just part of what our bodies are capable of. Well, which, like, your theory of, like, how the psychedelics and then the kava, also that the, the valerian root, that's what's, yeah, it's a root as well, which mm-hmm. is making him have wacky dreams. So it's like... Extremely yeah. wacky. So, I can send you home with some. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'm not shy. Yeah, it's it's interesting. But that that's where I think that there's... Uh, there's definitely more to it in terms of not just using a substance to kind of trigger it, but a substance that's going to make you in some way separate your mind and your body. And and I think that's a reason why we tend to not be able to see a lot of things in our, our conscious mind is because we're so cultured to be like, uh, yeah, that shadow in the corner is just a hat rack or whatever versus if you're in that state of like in that slipstream almost between conscious and unconscious where you're able to basically see in different lines of thought because you're not tethered to one side or the other you know because when you're unconscious like your subconscious is completely taken over but when you're conscious your conscious mind is in control so it's like when you're stuck in between where you're not tethered to this side or that side like anything's possible just right in the middle yeah, well, I think I, I mean, she would probably have to be the one to tell you, but I, and I don't think it's a everyday thing, but I think I kind of like act out a lot and talk a lot in my sleep. Like, I know I talk a lot in my sleep from multiple people who have told me I've always been that way. Um, and I know she tells me that I talk in my sleep a lot. And I, I think you've experienced it where like I just sit up in the middle of my sleep like mm-hmm. I literally sit up and I'm just like and it's a violent sit up too like <laughs> fling forward like something's happening but what's what's interesting to me is um I've noticed a pattern with me sleep talking or sitting up in my sleep I've kind of noticed a pattern myself that I hear more about it when I'm somewhere new so, like, if her and I were to just be like, you know, oh, yeah, we're going to go to Las Vegas and we're going to stay in this condo down there or whatever. Like, if we go down there, <coughs> I would almost be willing to bet any amount of money that that very first night that I'm down there, I'm going to have, like, some weird thing that I do when I'm sleeping, whether it's sit straight up or talking a lot or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, have you ever had any? Thing like that that you've noticed with sleep paralysis like maybe if you do go somewhere new or I mean anything like that or is it just kind of one of those things that's really no way to pinpoint it's very hard to pinpoint but I don't think that I could tie it to like being in a new area because like, even like like I said like the worst 
point in my life where my sleep paralysis was just night after night for months it was when I was living in Tucson, Arizona. So I, I live in Utah. We live in Utah. Mm -hmm. So I uprooted everything and moved to a new state. But I don't think that that's because I was in a new state. I was in an extremely abusive relationship. So the stress was all the time, every day. And I feel like that's what I tie it to. Because a, a lot of the times when I'd have sleep paralysis episodes, they were almost like tied into a dream as well sometimes. Mm -hmm. And then in my dream, I would see my abusive spouse in that episode. And he'd have like red eyes and he'd just be circling around the bed. Whereas to where I also felt an entity <coughs> on my body. So it's like, it, I can't really say that, yeah, being in a new area would cause it. I think it's literally just linked to where I'm at mentally and my stress level. Yeah. Have you ever known anybody else who had sleep paralysis? I do have a cousin who also suffers from it, but she doesn't like to talk about it. <laughs> and nobody else in your family's... My mom. Your mom. But for com coming from the religious background, like I didn't realize that sleep paralysis was sleep paralysis until that documentary, The mm -hmm. Nightmare. And I remember I watched that documentary and I just broke down and like literally mentally had a, a breakdown because I was, I've been told my whole life that because I'm sinning, I'm living in sin, I'm opening myself up to evil and other people are just like, you're mentally ill. But to have people all around the world explain the same thing that I'm going through and then have a name behind it, like sleep paralysis, mm -hmm. like a diagnosis was amazing to me. Like, yeah, I bet that was a huge sigh of relief. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm not crazy. <laughs> this isn't a religious thing to where, I don't know, I masturbated today, so the demon's coming. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, sorry, if that God. was the case. I was about to say. <laughs> fuck. I'd, I'd, I'd probably have, like, at least, I don't know. Four or five episodes a night ever since I was 12 years old. I'd have an army of fucking demons just yeah, they'd, filling up the edges of West Valley. But that's a, we know what you did. I know. I was there. It was it awesome. Was, it was great. But yeah, like having, like going to my mom at a young age and explaining that I was having these horrible dreams and seeing things and my mom and my grandmother both being very religious people were like you need to pray more and whatever you're doing in your life you're opening yourself up to evil i'm 10 years old what am i doing at 10 years old to open up a door for demons to come do whatever the hell they're doing to me like but i i believe them it was my mother and my grandmother so like i'm like yeah like i need to start praying more i need to <laughs> i need to do something better with my life what do i need to do like god please help me Please stop this. But the thing is, I've heard a lot of people tell stories about their episodes, and they sit there and say, all you have to do is cry out Jesus' name. Please explain to me how you can cry out Jesus' name when you can't move your mouth. The only thing you can hear me do in sleep paralysis episode is, like, my mouth is closed, and I go, mmm. <laughs> 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 Look, you, so how are these people yelling out Jesus Christ's name? Either they're lying about having sleep paralysis, or they just have a whole different experience than I do. I don't know. See, and that's where I, I have to discredit like a third of the population on any given subject because 
roughly one third of people are, I don't want to use the word hypochondriac, but you know how people tend to get like, oh, I had a nightmare, therefore it's sleep paralysis or, you know, yeah. or, you know, the type of people who cough once and then they're like, fuck, I got COVID, you know? Yeah. So there's a lot of bullshitters out there. Attention seeking. Oh yeah. Like no matter what the situation is, whatever you got now, suddenly they got it, you know? Well, what's really, uh, you know, intriguing for me is that so many people who don't know what sleep paralysis is, like kind of how she said, it was until she was like, well, I mean, 23, 23, that she was in the dark about it. Like she Mm -hmm. had no idea what it was. And, you know, as I stated kind of at the beginning that I watch, I mean, I'm telling you, I watch so much ghost hunting stuff. It's ridiculous. And of course, like. On all, almost every ghost hunting show, especially if they're doing, like, in-home investigations, you know what I mean? If they're just going to somebody's house because someone's like, yeah, I've got crazy shit happening in my house. I'm telling you, go through, watch as many as you can that are in-home investigations. And so many people describe what people experience during sleep paralysis. Yeah. And some ghost hunting teams are like, oh, you know... I'm not going to drop any names here for the sake of, but uh, some are quick to be like, this is a demon. Zach Bagans. You know, and and other teams are like, hey, it sounds like what you might be experiencing might be sleep paralysis. And so many times when they tell these people this, they're like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. Like, they don't know what it is. I mean, these are people who are even in their 40s, their 50s, like, that are experiencing this and they don't know what it is and like but it is because of those ghost hunting shows like when her and I first started dating and she told me that she experienced it I was able to actually have a conversation with her about her and it was I mean from what I recall it kind of brought you a little bit of comfort to know that like I'm not going to sit there and look at you and just be like oh you're the hell's wrong with you (laughs) you are the first like relationship that I've been with been in that you were open to having a conversation with me instead of looking at me like, what the hell did I get myself into? (laughs) We're going to be sleeping and you're going to do what? (laughs) Yeah, there's going to be what in our room and he's going to try to do what? (laughs) Like, But it was. It was a very relieving feeling because, yeah, past relationships, it was just either just like tossed aside. Like, don't want to talk about it. Don't, you know, not a big deal. That Mm -hmm. sounds like your problem. Have fun with that. And then other relationships where it's just like, you need to be in a straitjacket. What the hell is wrong with you? So having somebody to talk to about it is always, which is awesome that we're having a podcast about it because there's a lot of people like me that go on to Spotify or whatever and you type in sleep paralysis. You just want to know that you're not alone in this experience, that you're not crazy, that there are other people that experience this, that have to live with it. It's nice. So I remember when you had told me about it. And I remember you were, like, extremely trepidatious about it. Like, you almost said it in a whisper, which you say everything in a whisper, so it doesn't count. But <laughs> but I remember being, like, really, like, intrigued about the whole thing because I had never experienced it, and I knew very little about it. So, it was to me, it was really interesting to get somebody's perspective who's got this issue that I knew I knew was out there, but I didn't really know anything about it. But it is also cool that you guys, like, are able to have these open conversations and be able to 
basically just throw it out on the table of, and you know not being like fucking nuts well yeah especially for as deep as I sleep I mean I could just say <laughs> have fun and I could sleep right through it and I mean most of the time I do I, I know for me um seeing how much it impacts her when she has like a really bad episode because there are some where she might have it you know and it it does it it kind of it has like almost like a range to it like there's some where she'll you know wake up from it and i'm like hey you know you you all right and you know she can be pretty calm about it and be like you know i just had a sleep paralysis episode it was pretty creepy you know but there's other times where it shakes her up really bad and Mm -hmm. it's like when she has those episodes me not having it I just want to try to find something to help you know like that's why I got the valerian root and I know that we've had conversations about possibly like CBD you know I wonder I just I kind of feel like that there could be something out there that could be taken daily like even as like a supplement or like how people take like melatonin gummies before bed you know to try to help put them to sleep i in my brain i can't give up hope that there's something out there that that she can try that like literally even if it was a cbd gummy like yeah just pop one in chew that before you go to bed and you know and see if it helps because that's that's my standpoint on because i i really because of how bad it has affected her in, in certain circumstances, I just really wish it would go away. So I gotta, I'm gonna tell you my experience, and I don't want to get like too deep into it because it's a whole nother episode that I want to do at another time. Was so kind of going back to my experience with my own like nightmares and terrors and whatever. I realized like the time that it actually kind of broke for me, and I wasn't really having nightmares anymore. Was again after. I started playing with psychedelics and things like that. And a few of the times that I used them, it was like I had to go through some severe what's called ego deaths. You know, I don't know if you guys know what that is, but you basically take a real hard look at yourself and it's not polite. It's not like, oh, yeah, I guess I could do better about this. It's your subconscious and your conscious mind are at war and you're right in the middle. That sounds like a terrifying place for me to be. It is. It's it's fucking terrible. (laughs) But the only way out is through. But it was like after I experienced those moments where I really had to like break myself down. And then it's because that's kind of like early on in, in my trips, you know, that's like one of the first things I deal with was like, oh, you got all this bullshit you got to deal with before you can get to any of the cool stuff. But it was like after I went through that several times and I haven't used any psychedelics in like it's been like a year almost but ever since then I don't have nightmares anymore like I'll have weird dreams but nothing bad I don't have night terrors I don't wake up in cold sweats anymore I don't toss and turn or like flail or any of the shit that I used to do and I think it's because a big part of that is going through those ego deaths and dealing with the inner child trauma and, and all this other bullshit that you kind of go through, at least in my experience with using psychedelics, it kind of like changed my perception on a lot of things and 
how I feel about myself. So I, I don't know, maybe that's an avenue to look at at some point or something to consider. But this is only based on my experience and I don't want to speak for anybody else's experience with psychedelics or with their own dreams or their own patterns. I just know that changed me in, in a very different mental sense that I don't have the same problems as I used to because there was a lot of underlying bullshit under the fabric of who I thought I was that had to be dealt with. So just something to think like about. facing your demons. Absolutely. And there were multiple times when I was tripping that I was dealing with demons. <coughs> Sorry. And uh, like a physical demon that I could see who's fucking with me the whole time. But it's, they're, they're not like being malicious towards you. It's your subconscious mind's version of like, we're going to break this shit down. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be pleasant. You're going to have to deal with these things. Because it's not like, you know, when you get too drunk, you can eat some bread and drink some water and suddenly you're a lot less drunk and you're in control again. No, you, whenever you take them, you're in it for the long haul. There's no getting out of it. So whatever you're going through, you have to go through. So it's just the idea of like, buckle up. We're in it for the long ride. And I think that's what scares me the most about psychedelics, because I'm very much like a, a control person, like especially like self-control, I guess, in, in the sense of like, for the most part, if I get too drunk, I'm really good about, well, I'm too drunk, I'm going to go make myself throw up, and then I'm going to eat some food, and maybe make myself <laughs> throw up some more. I don't know. But I just know that like... I, I think at least for me with psychedelics, I think it would be a very, very bad idea for me. <laughs> I just... But I think that's based on mindset. If you feel like it is going to be bad, then it, I feel like it will be bad. Oh, absolutely. I don't think absolutely. it will be a good experience you, for you unless you are open to it. You have to sell yourself on what you would like, but it sounds so strange to talk about. Um, it is a spiritual journey more than it is getting high. And once you wrap your mind around that and understand that, yes, I'm going to have an ego death. Yes, I'm going to deal with some hard shit, but I'm going to come out better on the other side. It's just going to suck getting from A to B. But the whole thing is you, you can't you can't have any expectation of what you're going to get. You can't just be like right before you eat some mushrooms, be like, oh, yeah, dude, I'm going to I'm going to see all this cool shit. You have to go. I surrender myself to whatever it is that I'm about to be shown. It's very spiritual. It is, it's something you can't put your finger on and be like, this is the experience I want. Or I want just the healing aspect of it. Like, no, you get what you get. But you have to go in with A, a surrendering mindset of I'm ready to, to receive whatever I'm about to be given. And B is just not having that negativity of like, oh, this is going to be a bad trip. I fucking know it. Because if you knew that, you wouldn't take them. Yeah. I mean, I and I don't. I, I think I've heard maybe from somebody. I don't know. I think they're doing research with like psychedelics, with like mushrooms and stuff, and they, they like actually rebuild like neurons or some shit in your brain. I don't oh, know. Absolutely. Like, yeah, it's like it. It's honestly like they're finding medical benefits from it. Oh, tons. And there's a there's a documentary on Netflix you should watch, and it talks about all kinds of them. Uh, LSD mushrooms, DMT, all that. Like, I, I really recommend you sit down and watch Do it. Do they cover ayahuasca? 
They do cover ayahuasca. Do they? Yeah. That's something I still want to do so bad. But Oh, God, I would be... I mean, just the way that... I, I've, like, I've heard of ayahuasca, right? And I've seen it, like, portrayed in, like, movies and TV. And even just the way it's portrayed in movies and TV is, like, terrifying. Like, that it seems like it would be, like, fear and loathing in Las Vegas on steroids. So for myself and listeners, what's ayahuasca? So ayahuasca is this, um, again, it comes from a root that's like a found in South, South America. And um, usually, like, you don't get it here in the States. It's a very spiritual process. It's a very tribal thing that they do. You have to journey down there, go with the shaman, and the shaman guides you through this process. And they basically take this root and grind it up, and they make this drink that allegedly tastes like dog shit. And you drink it, and it's basically a very heavy psychedelic. It, it's it's supposed to be like acid and DMT, like way stronger. But it's it's so strong that's why you should do it with the shaman because the shaman guides you through through your experience, and they help you and they keep you kind of on the track that you need to be on. But it's it's kind of become a very kind of corporate thing. Because you can book these retreats to go do ayahuasca for three, four, five days, whatever it is you want. Really? Oh, absolutely. Somebody's got to make money off of it. But it's still very tethered to the natural process that these natives of these different countries have come up with generations ago. They still do it the same. It's just the lodgings are much more comfortable now. See, and I love the idea of, because I told you, Dave, that I, I've always wanted to do mushrooms. Mm-hmm. I still want to because I love the idea of going down that journey. And it is a journey. And for me, like when people say like during sleep paralysis, you just need to face your demons. You need to just, you know, get through it to get to the other side. It'd be a lot easier if I could move my limbs, you know? I just... I, and that, that's really the whole reason I kind of brought it up was, you know, not trying to pressure you into it, but I think that that's something that maybe is worth a shot in terms of because whatever is buried deep that you don't even think you have a problem with it's going to come up and like i said you're going to have to deal with it in that state because you don't get out of it you don't just oh think happy thoughts think happy thoughts what are you going to do that for six hours while while it processes through your system no you have to go through it you have to deal with it so there's a, a good chance that maybe that's something that could help yeah that's interesting i and I, I would be curious to know, like, I guess in the sense of, like, trying to help with something like sleep paralysis, like, taking, like, a psychedelic, would that be, in order to kind of, I guess, like, face your demons, like, when you had your experience, was that, like, were you isolated? Was it just you? Were you with a group of people? Like, I mean, the, the little bit that I know of psychedelics, just the very little bit that I've heard, is that, like, a lot of it depends on, like, kind of what's going on around you like as far as like your experience with it so like with your experience like the the what what did you refer to ego deaths like those ego deaths that you had did you have those in a group setting or were you isolated or so uh i think i've done them like six times in various different doses so the first time i think i did three or three and a half grams and i had a trip sitter i'm sure you guys can guess who it was um, I, yeah, I had a moment and it, it didn't last very long 
where I was kind of going through an ego death, but it was, it wasn't as much of like an ego death as much as it was just like some feelings that I was harboring that made their way out. And naturally, you know, my trip setter had to sit there and watch me fucking ball like a bitch and it's you process you go through it and there's there's no like keeping it in there's no pretending you're tough like you have to square up to what it is you're feeling but it wasn't like oh i'm such a piece of shit and i got this wrong and i did this wrong this time the first time was more like just some negative feelings that i was feeling or i don't know how to explain it and i don't want to go like too in depth with it at the moment but like after that it it became the, the you know the cool mushroom experience that you'd expect and then the second time I did them, I took five grams, which is like a really big dose. And I was completely by myself. And the ego death was a little bit harder. It was more like looking inward and dealing with, yeah, the things I didn't do right or the things I did wrong, which are not always the same thing, but they're very related. And like not necessarily beating myself up. It was more like, here's an opportunity to change. And that, that's what my subconscious is telling me. Like, yes, these are things that you did wrong or didn't do right, but this is a chance. And so the third time I did them, I was completely by myself and I did way less. I did like two grams and that's when, and I had not made any progress. I did not change anything from the time I did that five to the time I did the two. And that's when it was like, okay, you didn't want to listen the first two times. Now you're really going to hear it. And I'm by myself and my brain is just beating the holy shit out of me and telling me, you know, you're a fuck up because of this and you did this wrong and you've not done a fucking thing to change it. And you're only using this as like a getaway and you're not really trying to heal. You're trying to get this substance to do the work for you and blah, blah, blah. And that's when it really changed in my mind that like, okay, I'm not really trying. I'm not really doing anything. I'm just being a whiner and I'm not trying to actually process or deal with anything that I need to do. And after that, it was like, okay, now it's time to make real change, not just in my life, but to me as a person. So that was hard. It was really tough. And like I said, sometimes your, you know, your trips are like between four and six hours, depending on how much you took. And that was like three straight hours of ego death. Half of that trip was just me beating the shit out of myself. But on the other side, when I came out of it, and you don't just like, when it's over, you're like, oh, okay, all right, this is what I got to do. It takes time to process everything you've seen, heard, felt, and went through. So it's like the following probably two or three weeks after that, it was a lot of self-analyzing in a sober setting of, okay, this is what I got to do. This is what I need to change. This is who I want to be. So it's it's a process. It is painful. You're better off going through it than not. Yeah. I, I mean, that's... I definitely know I wouldn't be able to do it. I think you anytime could. Anytime soon. <laughs> it's something to prepare yourself for over a period of time. And like I said, my trip sitter had him and I had been talking about it for like two years leading up to my first time. And he would be a five star trip sitter. For sure. <laughs> At one point I had to tell him, shh, be quiet. Would would use this trip sitter again. 
would. Yeah. Post, post that five review stars. on Google. Absolutely. <laughs> and I hope he listens to this and knows, like, fuck yeah, I am five stars. I mean, yeah. I mean, he could literally open up, like, a side business. Like, that could be, like, his side gig. Did like, I ever tell you about the, the podcast I want him to do? No. So I, <clears throat> because of what he did for me with not only guiding me up to that experience of kind of how it works and what you'll go through and fair warnings and things like that and getting the stuff for me and sitting with me and watching me cry like a little baby and just being there with me and all that like I was like dude you should do a podcast where it's a two-part episode where in the first episode you sit down and talk to somebody who's interested in doing it and get some of their history get what what they're going through or what they want to accomplish by using psychedelics and then return to it months later after they've done it talk to them again and talk to them about their post psychedelic experience what they changed what they healed what got better what got worse and just have these two parts where you can see the way before and then the way after and see what's different or did it help did it change? I, I know nobody can see, but I think we have a candidate. I was going to say, who better than somebody who suffers from sleep paralysis? Which mm-hmm. they do, how you were saying, like, to find something to help me. I know that there is, like, a specific prescription that people take for sleep paralysis. I'm not a prescription person. I very much am all about natural. And I, I don't know. I don't like the idea of having to realize on a prescription bottle for sleep paralysis. Obviously, this is happening to a very small amount of people in the world. I feel like there is a reason for it, and I don't want to be that person to be like, oh, I'm just going to numb this because it's horrible. Yes, it is horrible. But I don't want to pop a pill every night to just avoid whatever is happening to me. I also wonder if maybe there could be like a, a correlation between sleep paralysis and personality types. Like, I know she is, I believe, an INFJ. And the INFJ personality type is quite literally one of the rarest personality types out there. What is INFJ? Uh, Introvert something FJ. So you can take personality tests and it basically just tells you what group you fit into and it explains your personality. Interesting. And it's, you'll have to take it. Yeah. I want to know if you, you are. If well, you it's just going to tell me I'm an asshole, so. <laughs> I took it, and it told me that I was an ENFJ. So, basically, a lot of the same characteristics that she has. Only extroverted. More extroverted, as opposed to introverted. I could see that. And, um, but yeah, the INFJ, like, because I did a, <coughs> I went down a rabbit hole of, like, personality types and stuff, but. I almost wonder with it being a very rare personality type, but also she is very, very uh, highly sensitive as far as like being an empath. Like mm-hmm. her, I, I consider myself an empath as well. Totally. You know, but she is on like a whole different level than I'm on. Like we could literally be in the grocery store and she can see somebody and she's like, oh, that, you know. And so I wonder if maybe there's a correlation with that, too. That's something I'm going to have to read into. But. Yeah, I'm definitely that person. Like, if like I need a T-shirt that says, I read off your energy, what mood are we in today? 
<laughs> because I honestly feel so much from everybody around me that it's hard for me to even have my own feelings because all feelings are overwhelmed overwhelming to me no matter what so if I walk into work and the mood is like great and everybody's like okay you know if that mood is like in the mid area I'm like okay we're mid today if people's like down I'm like oh I guess we're just gonna ride this shift so you know I'm a lot of the same way the only like I guess positive and negative is at work I kind of dictate the mood in a lot of ways because if if I'm in a shitty mood it naturally is going to bring other people down especially you know the younger guys who haven't I want to say establish their own like personality yet because I don't really think you fully develop your personality until you're in your 30s so it it kind of like sends out wavelengths in a way but yeah I I think you guys are actually very parallel in a lot of ways and it's it's always interesting when I see you two together because I don't spend a lot of time with you two together a lot but I see how you guys like overlap and complement each other and I was like that's really cool I think a lot of it has to do with that personality type thing. Like I said, it's just literally ours are just one letter off to where she's a little bit more introverted and and I'm a little bit more extroverted. I think like part of where it shows a lot is where if she's not happy about something, she'll kind of keep it to herself. And as anyone who knows me will tell you, if I'm not happy about something, Everybody knows I'm not happy about something. It's true. <laughs> it's it's very apparent. I'm pretty that, sure people in other buildings know you're not happy about something. Yeah. It's it's I mean, I'm sure our some of our neighbors have known times where I'm not happy. So but yeah, I I mean with the with the sleep paralysis, I mean I I think it could potentially be something that could be super super helpful for her to to kind of do what you were talking about like have somebody sit down talk about it and then you know even go through the the process of trying a psychedelic to see where that could get you i mean it could it could be mine it it could be could change your whole life i mean you just don't know yeah and if it did then i'd have to like promote shrooms i fucking (laughs) promote those things like they're my own child dude you're awesome (laughs) So yeah, um, you know, I, I think in uh, in closing thoughts, what do we reach here? That it is supernatural in nature. Nobody right. can convince me otherwise. I'm I'm a hundred percent convinced it's supernatural. I would concur with that. I mean, there's there's definitely other factors that weigh in, but yeah, there's just. I think there's more evidence to support that it's supernatural than that, or at least that there's a supernatural element to it. I think there's more evidence to support that than there is to say, no, it's just your head and you're just a fucking whack job. I agree. My heart goes out to you for having to suffer through it. It can't be easy. It honestly, I feel like as I've gotten older, it's gotten easier, but I think if anything that you deal with regularly, it eventually gets easier. Yeah. It's not great, but over time. Yeah. I think maturity makes it a little bit easier as it goes on versus when you're eight years old dealing with it and have no fucking clue. And, you know, you're, you're from sinning. a... 
when you have a religious family where your mom is what the Navajo would call a cunt, it's probably not very easy. So, yeah. Well, thanks, guys, for doing this. No, thank you, man. This has been awesome. It's been great. Absolutely. I hope we did something worthwhile here. Well, like she said, I mean, if people are looking for for answers, you know, I mean, or, or even just someone to at least acknowledge that they're not crazy because I think when you experience something that is very outside of the norm, I think most people just want somebody to believe them. Yeah. And, I mean, for anyone who's listening, you got three people here who not only believe you, but you got somebody who, who has dealt with it for almost their whole lives, and so you're you're not alone. And don't be ashamed to talk about it at all. And if somebody calls you crazy, tell them to fuck off. I mean, tell them to I listen to this crazy. podcast. I'm not going to say that I'm not, <laughs> but... Oh, I was totally going to take a misogynistic route there, but I'll save it. <laughs> Save that for uh, uh, the podcast talking about relationships. (laughs) There you go. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye.